0: So, as I said earlier, Happy New Year. The year 2020 is upon us, which many are capitalizing on the idea of 2020, right? Vision and sight and direction and being able to see and looking into the future. And remember that um, the Bible says in Proverbs, without vision, the people perish. Or it says, some translate it, they cast off restraint. So I want us to uh, think about. Uh, the upcoming year. Now, if you remember, I got snowed out about two or three weeks ago, and then last Sunday it was teen-led worship, and so I'm three sermons behind today, and I'm going to catch up. All right, just warning you right now. All right, some some Sundays it's quick to the point we get out of here. Some Sundays we need to think and talk, and this is this is one of those days. I want you to know that I am excited about this year. I was about to say the upcoming year. I'm excited about this year. Anybody else join me? I'm excited about this year. Um, I want you to know that for several months now, the leadership here has been in discussion and prayer and talking about the Heartland Church of Christ. And what we need to be and what we need to become to be vital in the 21st century. And we're having a lot of discussions. And we're looking at leadership structure. And we're looking at um, leadership development. And we're looking at spiritual maturity. And we're looking at church growth. And what will it mean? And what does it take? And how can we accomplish it? And I want to commend these men. Not only are men, we've had the wives join us in conversations. I want to commend you for the faith, for the courage, for the willingness to look at us and say, God has given us incredible opportunities and potential, and we believe He's calling us to take advantage of it. And that's one of the reasons why I'm excited We're discussing how do we put people above programs? How do we ensure growth over an attitude of just, well, just give me, just give me, just give me? How do we ensure development over status quo? And how do we position ourselves to reach and to grow people around here? I will tell you that over the next several months. You're going to hear about this and hear about this and hear about it. We're going to communicate it. We're going to communicate it in multiple ways until we begin to see, oh, wow, this is possible. But it's going to take work. So here's what I wanted to say to you about three weeks ago um, before Christmas. If you go to and by the way, you know, Christmas sermons, we go to the beginning of Matthew or Luke the first gospel that we believe was written is the gospel of Mark. And, and Mark has an introduction to Jesus. And so, but, but for Mark, Jesus just shows up and he starts preaching. And, and soon after he's preaching, we have in uh, chapter one. Uh, let me set it up with verse nine. Jesus came from uh, Nazareth in Galilee, was baptized by John in the Jordan. And as Jesus was coming out of the water he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven and said, You are my Son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. All right? Now watch. At once, or actually, John, Mark uses this word all the time. Immediately. Right? Immediately. And so immediately then, after coming out of the water... The Spirit drove him out into the desert or the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with wild animals. And angels attended to him. So here's the beginning um, uh, of Jesus for, for, um, for Mark. Baptism. Ooh, big day. This is my son. I'm well pleased. Right? Everything's going great. Heaven's open up and God speaks to this, his son. Wow. And before he could turn around, the spirit grabs him by the arm. My interpretation takes him out to the wilderness for 40 days. Have you ever thought about why? Why, why did, and by the way, for you theologians, you uh, Trinitarians, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if the Spirit takes Jesus out into the wilderness, you have God leading God out into the wilderness to be tempted. Why? What's the purpose of that? Why 40 days? Why put him in a position to be tempted by Satan? And what's up with the wild animals? But that is exactly how Jesus started his ministry. And I just wonder why God would do that to Jesus. What is the purpose of that? And so I want to go in a roundabout way with this. Um, I think there's a, there a clear reason why Jesus had to go through this. But I want to um, think about this in terms of us. And there are certain things that we know that 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 are true about life. There are things that we have to do to get into a position in life so that we have better effectiveness for other people. Right. For instance, none of you call me to fix your car when it's broken. Have you noticed that not not one of you said, hey, I got this cars making this noise, sitters, would you come over and fix it? You know better than to do that. None of you have, have called me to say, hey, look, I'm having financial struggles. Could you get, could you look at my books? You know, I could look at them, but that's all that I could do. You don't want me doing those things. You know, those principles are true even in Christianity. Okay. So here's a story. Now, this, this is not, it, it's, it's my story and most of it is true. Okay. Just telling you right now. Well, I got to use some elaboration. But you'll get it. You'll, you'll understand it. Now, now so, um, when did we take Caroline to Hardy? And I think I told you this story. August of 18, is that right? And we moved here in August of 18. We take her and, and, and to, to Hardy University and get her in the dorm her freshman year. Got the whole car loaded with stuff. And we get to her dorm. And she's on the third floor. And Harding has not heard of elevators. Still to this day, I don't think. All they know is stairs. I'm lugging this stuff upstairs all the way to the third floor. First trip was okay. I was huffing and puffing. Um, But went down, got some more stuff. Halfway up the second time, I couldn't breathe. And I sat down on the stairs. I'm blocking traffic. All these other dads are like, you know, stepping around me. And I'm like, I can't. I'm sorry. I can't move. I'm out. Thankfully, I had a friend that helped me. Made a mental note. I said, I got to do something about that. This isn't good. Right? And so, but then we moved to Kansas City. And all of you, hey, come on. I want to take you to this barbecue place. And. Hispanic restaurant, and I'm just like, yeah, let's go, that's good. And I discovered all these restaurants, right? And I wasn't really doing anything about my health, and I'm just getting burp, 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 larger and larger. But I was happy. I mean, I really, I loved the food. And so one one day I'm putting the, these bookshelves together in my office. Literally, and I know I've told you this, literally I'm just bent over all day doing these, you know, just screwing the screws in And so I get toward the end of the day, get it finished, and I stand, I'm like, oh, oh, that didn't feel too good, but it didn't, you know, it's one of those deals where you go, oh, well, yeah. And so I got in the car, went home, and ate supper, and as I'm getting ready for bed, I'm like, this thing's getting worse. This is not good. And I was down on, you know, in my back, on my back, I'm not sure how you say it, for, for several days. And that's when I said, that's it. I'm gonna get in shape. I've got to do something. This isn't good. And I saw this. Okay? Now some of you, some of you could get up here and tell this story with me. I like that. Thumbs up. Planet Fitness. This this is a free country. And I can walk into Planet Fitness. And and, and, and and I saw some other picture. I said, look at this. These people are happy. Look at them jumping up and down. Hey, I can't even jump. But hey, look at that. They are so happy. I said, that's what... And and, and they're slender. I said, that's me. That's what I'm going for. But the one that got my attention the most... This. Yeah. Four times world's strongest man, Planet Fitness. Be free. I'm going to be free and look at what I'm going to look like. Right. So I said, okay, that's it. And so I go down to Planet Fitness. It's free country. I can walk in there. And so I did. I walked into Planet Fitness and into the front door and, and, and around the, the 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 front door and off to the sides of these tables with chairs. And I walked right in there. And I sat down in a chair. People are coming in and out. And I watched them. I said, okay, it's been about 20 minutes. I think I'll go home. And I went home. Now stay with me. (laughs) I told you some parts aren't true. I'm not this stupid. But listen, just stay with me, okay? I went home and, and I went to bed, and I got up the next day and I and I went to the mirror and I looked and I said, nothing happened. There's nothing happening. What what it, This isn't the truth. These people at Planet Fitness don't do this. So I said, well, you know what? I'm going back the next day. And I went and I sat in that chair and I watched and and all of a sudden one of these employees nicest employees. I mean, they're looking good. Right. And smiling and, and said, nah, I've seen you sitting back there on the back row all this time, you know. And I said, yeah, I said, I'm, I saw your advertisements and I see your strong people and the happy people. And I said, that's I'm, I'm going to become that. And he said, oh, really? He said, what what are you working on? I said, well, I'm just here. He said, can I show you how this works? I said, well, sure. Yeah. And he said, well, come over here to this table. And, and, and when we sat down and he's telling me about this stuff. And um, he said, now, before we go any further, let me take you on a tour. Yeah, and, and they do. They'll take you on a tour. And they're showing me all this stuff that they have. Now, what I liked the most was those um, water jet water beds that you could lay in, you know, and watch TV. I said, yeah, I'll probably be spending a lot of time there. And he said, no, probably not. So we go around and he shows me these machines. And I said, now, that's a pretty machine right there. I like the color of that. That just really looks good. And, and, and I like I like what I see right there and um, I said so if, if I can if I can walk through here right and take a tour and I can look at the machines I can smile at people if, 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 am I going to look like that and he said well let's, let's talk about that for a moment and he pulls out this form and he wants my information I'm like well what? what do you want my information for this you know this is America we're kind of private folks honey are you asking me for my phone number and the, And he asked me for my credit card. I said, what in the world is this? You're asking me for a credit card. Yeah, it's going to cost money to come here and and, and participate. I said, all you people are interested in it. Yeah, you big business. All you want is money. Always asking for money. You'll probably then later on in the year say, hey, would you like to give a donation on top of what you pay? Right. Oh, you're just interested in money. He said, no, you you don't seem to understand. And, And so he said, look. You have got to fill out this information, and you need to make a one-year commitment. I said, a one-year commitment? I don't have a year. I've got about 30 minutes got to get this done quick. That's my goal. I don't have a whole year to do this. Come on now. He said, no, no, no. This, this, this is I said, okay, so if I pay you money, and I make a one-year commitment, I can look like this. He said, well, it's not quite that. He said, what I want you to do is I want you to get connected to some other people that are also in the beginning stages where you are. I said, well, no, you know, I don't I don't know if I want to deal with other people. You know, I actually like just sitting back here at the table every day and watching people come and go. And then when I get tired, I get up and leave. I kind of like that. He said, no, I want you to get connected. I said, well, now, look, I don't tell you something. I don't have much time. Right. Time is valuable to me and I don't have much time. And um, he said, well, that's fine. He said, you meet us here tomorrow morning at 5 a.m. I said, 5 a.m.? What in the world is your problem? That's when people sleep. And, no, oh, you show up at 5. There's other folks there. I said, well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure about this. You know, um, I, I, I just don't think I can do that. You know, i got a bad knee. right? And, 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 and I don't want to hurt that. You know, but I've got to be careful with that. He said, "You see that lady over there in the wheelchair who's working out? True story, by the way. If you go up there, she's there about three or four days a week in a wheelchair working out." I said, yeah, I see that. I don't, I don't like that, but yeah, I see, I see her. I said, "You know my age? I got you got to be careful with my age." He said, "Look, you see that? You see that eighty year old guy on the treadmill, on the stairmaster?" Yeah, okay. I guess I don't. I don't have many excuses, and so I said, "Okay, fine." You know, I, I, I want to look like that. I'm, I'm going. I know this story's long, but you got to stay with me. So I show up at five a.m. and they, the instructor he's showing me how to do it. He's walking me through. Now here's what we're going to do, and I want you to get on this machine, and and then I want you to push right. And and put and so I did and I'm like this this is a ow this hurts ah, I don't like this right and my and my breathing starts, and it's getting uncomfortable and and I'm sweating and and my, the eyes are rolling back in my head and um, he he keeps saying you got one more I said no I don't have anything you got another one right? I finally got off the machine and. He's kind of looking at me. He said, "Do you know what day it is?" <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, this is my last day. I'm ever coming here. <laughs> That's what day this is." And I made it home. And I looked in the mirror. Nope, not not looking like that. And I wake up the next day. I can't move. It hurts to do this. <laughs> Much less move anything else. It's... No, you don't understand. It's painful. It hurts. I can't walk. I can't move. Right? And the guy says, I'll see you at five in the morning. <laughs> what? And I stayed with it. Uh, and I stayed with it. And by the way, um, <laughs> no, I'm not going to go there. And I stayed with it. And I I began to I began to feel some different I I began to feel a little bit stronger. I dropped about twenty some pounds. I'm putting on some muscle. Right? I I used to I I couldn't hardly even lift myself out of a chair. I can I can I can get down in a catcher's position now and stand back up and it doesn't hurt anymore. What a miracle that is, isn't it? I mean it's a miracle. Matter of fact I'm gonna tell you if I take my shirt off, that's what I look like now. But I'm not. But I'm not. How, how does how does all that happen? All I, all I wanted to do was just walk in and sit down. Y'all leave me alone and let me get in shape. Just let me develop. Just let me visualize. Right, I'm growing bigger. I'm sitting in the chair. I'm laying in the in the in the, in the water bed. And and lo and behold, it dawned on me, life. Doesn't function this way, and we want to grow a church. Yeah, we want we want that to be our spiritual picture, spiritually mature. And by the way, so I start feeling better about myself, and you know, I'm telling people, yeah, I go I go to Planet Fitness and I do those curls. Telling him. Then I got a son in law who will lecture me for 20 minutes on particular workouts and weights, and he's telling me what I'm doing wrong. I'm saying, Well, now who does he think he is? You know, I'm out there, I'm, I'm the one out there doing it, and I've been doing it this way for a long time. Who are you to tell me what to do? There's other people giving me encouragement and advice, and most of the time they're right. I don't want to do it my way. So I come back to Jesus. He's baptized. And the spirit leads him out immediately into the wilderness. For 40 days. Do you ever think about, and by the way, I think that he was tempted, tested, probably most of those 40 days. We kind of get the end of the story. you ever thought what it was like for Jesus. Were those really temptations? Right? If it's a legitimate temptation, it means that it is something that if it's a temptation for me, it's something I want to do. If it's not something I want, you're not tempting me. I've told you that before. Try cottage cheese on me any day of the week is not a temptation. I can say no. If it's little Debbie's, that's a whole different story. Okay? Uh, so, so he's being t- he's out there. And these wild animals. Does Jesus really have to go through this? You ever think about that? Is this just a story or is there something happening in the life of Jesus? And so I want to direct your attention to Hebrews chapter five. That kind of also gives us a clue. Then we'll go back to the text and we'll see what we can make of this. I was in the bed most of the New Year's, by the way, with this upper respiratory infection I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> and a preacher without a voice is about as worthless as it gets, so I've got to pace myself. <clears throat> and here's what it says. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers. Again, I want you, every time you see something here, say, why? Why would Jesus, right? Jesus as the Son of God, why would He offer up prayers? And Petitions. With loud cries and tears. Why is the Son of God offering these prayers and crying out to the Father and crying? He's doing this to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he, Jesus, learned obedience from what he suffered and once he was made perfect he then became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him now, i don't want to spend a lot of time on this breaking down particular words and 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 and, and you know all the background information there but other than to say this this verse as well as when we go back to Mark chapter 1, demonstrate a development of Jesus. That He was growing. That He was becoming. That He needed the assistance of the Father. That He needed to learn obedience through what He suffered. That He needed to grow. In a sense, He needed to go to the spiritual planet fitness and start working. And by the way, for those of you that are a little bit shocked with this, perfect there does not necessarily, it doesn't mean sinless. It means whole. So that He's ready to go to the cross. So if Jesus had to go through this, if Jesus had to go through the 40 days of temptation and develop, what do you think it means for you and I as His followers? To get to where we believe God is calling us means that we have to develop and grow and change. And so if you would, think with me for just a moment about Mark chapter 1. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. This This is my beloved. And from that moment, the Spirit takes him out into the wilderness. And here's what I want to... I want you to hear today, God loves us and God has a challenging life in front of us. I know what you wanted me to say. God loves us and He's got an easy life for you. To that we would have said, Amen. But He loves us and He has a challenging life in front of us. See, that message isn't mentioned very often in the best-selling Christian books and the positive, motivational stuff that we read about. We hear plenty about the God of possibility thinking, and that's true. The God of making your life easy. And we hear a lot about the God who scratches your back if you'll scratch His. But what about the God who plans to make our life a challenge? And an adventure. And issues upon issues and problems. And even times suffering. Nobody told us this. But according to the Gospels, especially Mark, this seems to be the beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ. But here's the question. Why would God do that to Jesus And if that's the case, then why might He do that to us? And the answer is, because He loves us. And He doesn't want us to stay where we are. In 2020, we are not going to stay where we are right now. Thank you. Randall, your excuse. In 2020, not really, we are not going to stay where we are right now. We're moving forward. So you heard the words of the baptism. You are my beloved. Please understand. Hear those words from God. Because of Jesus, we are His beloved. Because of Jesus, He is well pleased with us. We have no issue with our standing before God, nor, nor should we have to question the love of God. So he hears those words and the creation was showering him with praise. And God is loving his son. Love and blessings, future destiny. And if you think about it, isn't that the way that our spiritual journey began? Right? We discovered God through Jesus and I, you know, I want you to go back in time when 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 this when when you first made that commitment. We were baptized in Into new life, into Jesus. We received the Holy Spirit. And man, we loved reading the Bible. We couldn't get enough of it. I mean, we were on fire. We prayed fervently. We were keenly attuned to the schemes of the evil one. We knew where the temptations were for us, and we were aware of it. And we shared with other people. We enjoyed going to church. And as youngsters, we even enjoyed Sunday nights. Woo! We were excited about this. Uh, there used to be churches on Sunday night at six o'clock. We'd come at ten, go home and eat lunch, and come back and have services at five and six or six. Um, we we did feel like we were God's beloved. I remember in high school, I think I was in the ninth grade, living in Louisiana. We took a trip to Tulsa, Oklahoma. To the Tulsa Soul Winning Workshop. I'd never seen anything like this. About twelve thousand Christians coming together, filling up a pavilion and worshiping, and you got to hear all these speakers. I just couldn't preachers, I couldn't believe you preachers were interesting. I mean, this was amazing to me. And I after that several three or four days, I made a, a commitment back to Jesus. And I was on fire, and I was reading my Bible, and I remember I was looking out for evil anywhere. that I knew Satan was after me, and I was watching for it. And I was aware of it. But let me tell you what happened. Over time, that, that fire kind of went down a little bit. And I had challenges in my life. Was it? It, was a, it was a real challenge. And So for many of us, like Jesus, fresh out of the waters of baptism, feeling as though heaven had opened up and was showering us with blessings, and God seemed to have a wonderful life for us. A beautiful life. A rainbow plan for our lives. We knew without a doubt that we were loved. But immediately then the Spirit... Comes and drives and takes us on a journey. And and with Jesus, I I mentioned this. Jesus wasn't taken just to the wilderness, he was taken out to be tempted by Satan. You, You go out there, you take on the biggest, baddest adversary. The Spirit had come to Jesus in the form of a dove. Satanic temptation came to Him in the form of wild beasts. And this temptation was severe, by the way. Don't don't gloss over 40 days, 40 nights of fasting. Complete period of rigorous self-denial. Jesus, the Son of God, went out into the wilderness for rigorous self-denial to grow and become and develop so that He could be our Savior. And I just want to sit and wait for the easy. I just want to make it easy, God. Make my life happy, God. What about those beasts? What were they exactly? They could have been physical. The bears and the snakes and the hyenas and the boars or whatever. They also could have been metaphorical. The thoughts that were going on in his head. Doubting. Fears. Thoughts about what the task at hand might be. Maybe the idea that temptation will never stop. I won't share the story with you, but the desert father shared stories of what happened to them when they went into the desert to get away from everything in this world but spend time with God. And they were in the wilderness. It was a challenge for them. But don't many of our temptations take such forms? Don't we sometimes hear the roar of condemnation for our past sins and our failures? I don't know if you've... If you felt that recently, man, the past can haunt us. Are we not gored by remorse sometimes? Do we not sense hope slipping away because of the terrible ragings within from time to time? I think it's fair to say that if Jesus was tempted in every way like we are, He was surely tempted by the wild beasts that are just as fierce. Mark seems to be saying something startling in this account. That God so loved his son that he sent him into a kind of hell for 40 days. He loved him that much. God did this to his own beloved. You know, the truth of the matter is, for most of us, most of the time, life is glorious and good. Births. Baptisms, weddings, graduations, falling in love, with children. We ace our finals. We get promotions. We get coffee in the morning and home cooked meals in the evening. We have our church family and we have our friends. But then, then comes the interruptions. And I think what these passages teach us. Is that this pattern of interruptions is not an accident. It's more than that. It's a necessity to spiritual health and spiritual growth. And it's the way God has designed it for us. This life, under the created order by God, there will be trials, there will be challenges, there will be hurt and suffering, as well as joy and bliss. God is so loving that he refuses to pamper us. He won't allow that because it's not the path to spiritual maturity. Years ago, Tom Downey, writing in the New York Times, an opinion piece, he described and he actually even defended the hazing that firemen endure when they enter the ranks of this profession. New recruits earned the respect of veterans by enduring the silent treatment, tolerating jokes and jeers about their masculinity and about their bravery. They had to perform menial tasks like taking out the garbage and cleaning toilets, and they made those those tasks very difficult for them. Because like soldiers, firefighters see things that nobody else wants to see. Charred bodies, anguished people who've lost their dearest possessions. Even friends that die at an early age. And then these firemen have to put these experiences on a mental shelf and go home and try to be good husbands, fathers, or even good wives and mothers. Make no mistake about it. Downey writes, this is a job that exacts a tremendous psychological toll on them. Add to the physical toll, smoke headaches, sore joints, cuts and bruises, lungs filled with black mucus and nausea that lasts for days. Downey described one veteran who saved a baby by dragging a crib out of a room so hot that the crib melted in his hands. Another ran into a burning building without an air tank and badly scorched his lungs. And he says, communities need men like this. Willing to risk life or serious injury in order to save others. And He said, amid all the hazing that goes on. Firefighters are really seeking an answer to a simple question. Is this the guy that I want coming down the hallway for me if I get trapped in a burning building? And they have to pass that test. You don't just show up at the firehouse and go, hey, I'm here. Let me be a firefighter. That's not what life is about. And so it's no accident that right after Mark notes that the angels ministered to Jesus, he then goes forth into Galilee to preach. He's been tested. He's been tried. Let me wrap it up with this. Suffering and discipline is our preparation for ministry in a world of suffering. I don't want to hear it, but it is the truth. This is not a world for shallow people. With soft character. It needs tested, toughened disciples who are prepared, like the Lord, to descend into hell to redeem the lost. Listen, certainly some suffering cannot be avoided. And some suffering can't even be explained theologically or even practically. But when I have a choice in the matter... I tend to take the easy way out by either blaming the pain or I try to numb the pain. I just don't want to deal with the rigors of discipline and challenge and suffering and heartache and the next challenge ahead of me. I want to check out. I want to take a seat and watch everybody else and pretend like, oh yeah, I can take a seat. And not get involved and I'll grow. It doesn't happen that way. But how, and how often have I chosen then to point my finger directly at God and blame Him? Why do you make it so challenging? Why do you make it so difficult? And God's in heaven saying, because I love you. Because I love you. I want to blame. I want to numb. Other times I run to the refrigerator or I run to social media or the golf course or the medicine cabinet to try to escape and numb. And as always, when I wake up in the morning, the pain is still there. The challenge is still before me. Maybe a wiser or harder course of action would be to just sit in the situation. Maybe 40 days and nights. Seeking to understand myself better. Putting myself and putting my life in God's hand and saying, God, I know that you have this. But that requires my spending time in my pain and in the challenge and in the obstacle that's there that I need to overcome. Spending time in my pain to experience and endure. Endure. And thus learning from it. And ultimately then to grow so that I can help another person. Most of my life has been learning how to get myself off of my own hands so I can't help other people. Most of my life, I've got to tell you, has been sitting in the chair, in the back. Not me. Can't do it. God, when are you going to bring the cure? When are you going to help me, God? When are you going to get me out of this? God said, no, this is how I created this world. And that's precisely what Jesus did. So may we learn to do the same. Paul said this, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and i want to share in his sufferings and becoming like him in his death philippians 3 and verse 10 so here it is are you ready are you ready to grow and to become are we ready to reach these people that live around us are we ready to love those people that come in those doors Are are we ready to develop ourselves? Are we ready to tackle those issues that we've been running from? Because we've been praying, God, would you just get rid of it? God says, no, it's there for your growth. So we're going to grow as a church as we grow as individuals. And in our groups, we want to encourage each other. Look, let's go. Let's tackle this. Jesus had to develop. We're no different. We're going to grow. 2020 is here. Are you ready? Let's stand and sing.